the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Well, this New Year series, Our Faith, What Will Others See in 2023, is well underway. And my hope is that on this journey, we're discovering ways we can reach out to people in our circles of relationships and inject a spiritual dimension into those natural conversations we have in our daily routines and see them differently. Part one was how do God and Jesus see others, our focus being spiritual eyes. Part two was how does the Holy Spirit see others, our focus being spiritual ears. Part three was how do we live out the Savior's call, our focus being spiritual actions. Scripture calls them works or deeds. Today, part four is loving with the love of the Lord. Our focus will be distinguishing between human love, worldly love, and biblical love. In part two, I said we'd include a deeper look at biblical love, so we're all on the same page. Well, friends, today is it. I've been saying God is in the business of engineering circumstances in people's lives so he can love them through us. Ultimately, we must realize we're not the source of God's love. We become the channels of God's love. If you missed any segments, the podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com. Just search for local program podcasts. Well, friends, I bet the name Charles Schwab is familiar to most of us. Schwab, a wealthy industrialist, after going to court and winning a nuisance suit at age 70, said, We become vulnerable when we love people and go out of our way to help them. But before Schwab left the courtroom, he asked the judge permission to add these words. I'd like to say here in a court of law, and speaking as an old man, that nine-tenths of my troubles are traceable to my being kind to others. Friends, listen now, especially you young people. If you want to steer away from trouble, become hard-boiled. Be quick with a good no to anyone and everyone. If you live with this as your general rule, you'll seldom be bothered as you walk down life's path. 
Except you'll have no friends, you'll be lonely, and you won't have any true joy, even fun, because, as we've been learning, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. So far, we've laid this template over Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman in John 4, over Philip the Evangelist's encounter with the Ethiopian in Acts 8, and over the Good Samaritan's encounter with the man who was beaten by robbers in Luke 10. Well, friends, I presume our phrase, through loving channels, is being understood to mean being available to those around us as God engineers circumstances in their lives, so either we come across their path or they come across ours. And we'd be right. We've highlighted certain Bible stories where individuals made themselves available to God, being a channel to bring divine resources to a human situation, thus meeting a human need. And the outcome? Bringing glory back to God. Well, today I want to be very certain we don't skim over the word loving and through loving channels. Because this word makes all the difference in the world, friends. Without it, our ministry mantra would simply function like a duty. We'd then be forced to interpret it as declaring a mere obligation or a necessity in our Christian life. Inserting love, however, functions like the piece de resistance, the icing on the cake, the whipped cream on top of the sundae, the cherry on top of the whipped cream. Author and priest Richard P. McBrien once said these provocative words, If love is the soul of Christian existence, it must be at the heart of every other Christian virtue. Thus, justice without love is legalism. Faith without love is ideology. Hope without love is self-centeredness. Forgiveness without love is self-abasement. Fortitude without love is recklessness. Generosity without love is extravagance. Care without love is mere duty. And fidelity without love is servitude. Every virtue is an expression of love. No virtue is really a virtue unless it is permeated or informed by love. Recall Galatians 5 and the list of the fruit of the Spirit. It's been proposed that these fruit are actually aspects of love, which, not coincidentally, appears first. Missionary Dr. Kenneth Moyner described the fruit of the Spirit poetically this way, Joy is love exalting, peace is love at rest, patience love enduring in every trial and test, gentleness love yielding to all that is not sin, Goodness, love in action that flows from Christ within. Faith is love's eyes open, the loving Christ to see. Meekness, love not fighting, but bowed at Calvary. Temperance, love in harnessed and under Christ's control. The Christ is love in person and love Christ in the soul. We all have our conceptions of what love is, don't we, friends? We use the word love to express a wide variety of human feelings, emotions, and sensations. The following list is by no means exhaustive, but you'll get the picture. Consider what the word love conveys in these common statements. I love my job. I love living in Arizona, or pick your favorite location. I love Mexican food. I love hot dogs. I love my wife or husband. I love my sister or brother. I love my car. I love my pet. I love my friends. I love 
God. Well, friends, a very interesting display of love occurred on August 9, 1993, when a 31-year-old woman, Sophia White, burst into the hospital nursery at USC Medical Center in Los Angeles, wielding a 38 caliber handgun. She was after Elizabeth Staten, a nurse she accused of stealing her husband. White got off six shots, hitting Staten in the wrist and stomach. Staten fled, and White chased her into the ER, firing once more. With blood on her clothes and a hot pistol in her hand, Sophia was met by another nurse, Joan Black, who did the unthinkable. Joan calmly walked over to Sophia and hugged her. Joan then spoke comforting words to her. Sophia told her she had nothing to live for and that Elizabeth Staten stole her family. You're in pain, Joan said. I'm sorry. Everybody has pain in their life. I understand. Let's work it out. As they talked, Sophia kept her finger on the trigger. She even raised the gun as though planning to shoot herself. But Nurse Black pushed her arm back down and continued to hold her. Finally, Sophia gave up the gun to Nurse Black. The hug finally disarmed her, linked with understanding and compassion. Later, when interviewed by the Associated Press, Nurse Joan Black, who did the unthinkable, said, I saw a sick person and had to take care of her. Maybe I should bring back my marketing campaign and go back to WWJD, but this time, what would Joan do? Well, that day, friends, Joan Black imitated Jesus. Doesn't Jesus look at us in a similar way? Doesn't Jesus see us as people sick and broken inside and in need of his care? Isn't it his embrace that finally disarms us? Now, friends, as I said, I want to be absolutely certain we don't gloss over the word loving in the third phrase of our ministry mantra. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. Being channels alone, friends, is not enough. As Christ followers, we need to be loving channels. Last time in part three, we observed the Good Samaritan. I mentioned that, sadly, many Christians think the lesson there is to convict us of our social responsibility to our fellow human beings. And in the process, reminds us that we can always do more for others. Well, that perspective almost guarantees we'll be driven by guilt. And if that happens, we've done ourselves in Scripture a great disservice. So I pointed out that the Good Samaritan story is told in the context of evangelism, and it's linked to an earlier statement Jesus makes in the opening verses of Luke 10. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. <laughs> See, friends, every day that we set foot outside our house, we enter the harvest field. We may only go as far as our Jerusalem, or we may journey out to our Judea, our Samaria, or even to our remotest part of the earth, per Acts chapter 1. The important question we should ask ourselves then is this. Do we see ourselves as laborers? Do I see myself as a laborer? Do you see yourself as a laborer? And as laborers in God's field, do we view ourselves as channels of God's love? Do we see ourselves each day as potential loving channels whereby divine resources may meet human needs to the glory of God? 
Friends, does it excite us, and do we anticipate the possibility that the Lord may engineer circumstances in other people's life so they may us and are exposed to our faith? There's a reason I'm bringing up love at this juncture in our series, because I could go on for the next umpteen weeks sharing stories in the Bible and stories from real life that show how people in various life situations made themselves available to God. But if you miss the most important word that points to what our underlying motive should be in all we do, then we won't be genuinely excited about being used by God as a channel of his love. We might too easily forget that God's desire is to love others through us. For you see, friends, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And this, I believe, motivated the Good Samaritan. Not guilt, but love. Just listen to a single yet potent sentence in Scripture from the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For the love of Christ controls us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. Now, controls or compels in our English Bibles come from a Greek word that's virtually impossible to translate with only one equivalent English word. Its meaning is too rich and textured. It not only carries with it the ideas of being controlled or being compelled, but also being seized or gripped by and being hemmed in by. Friends, the love of Christ is to so seize us, to grip us, to hem us in. In other words, completely surround us and control us in such a way that we want others to see our faith. Because just as God so loved the world of people, we too must love the world of people. So, friends, instead of duty or guilt driving us, the love of Christ drives us to want our faith to stand out, shine brightly before others. Now, notice that Paul's single statement in 2 Corinthians 5.14 is also said in the context of evangelism. It's actually hemmed in by evangelistic comments. Verse 11 says, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. And the gist of verses 17 through 20 comes out in verses 19 and 20. God was reconciling himself to the world in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It's God's love for others, the world, if you will, that should be at the heart and center of everything we do. Well, friends, let's pause here for a moment. If you turned tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want you to know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is 100% listener-supported. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home. Plus, those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church, join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at awordfromtheword at minister.com. We'll repeat this info at the end of the program. 
So, friends, as I just shared, it's God's love for others that should be at the heart of all we do. And today, I'm not going to assume we know what kind of love this is or exactly what the characteristics or traits are that this particular kind of love possesses and demonstrates or lives out. Remember, biblical love is love in action, per Romans 5.8. The word and concept used in the New Testament is agape. Maybe you've heard this before, and it's distinguished from several other words translated love in our English Bibles. The New Testament writers purposely chose agape to describe the highest form of love possible, the love that God has and demonstrates towards us, and the kind of love he desires we have and demonstrate toward others. It's actually an interesting and amazing word choice. Its classical origin is somewhat unclear. Only the verb form appears in Greek literature from the time of Homer on, that being the 800s B.C., Outside the Bible, the noun appears only once as a title for the Egyptian goddess Isis. Her cult eventually spread throughout the Roman Empire to Rome and Greece and was incorporated into the Greco-Roman pantheon of female deities. On rare occasions, agape referred to a person favored by a god, carrying the meaning of generosity demonstrated by one for the sake of another. Of the several most popular options available in the Greek language for love, we see why the New Testament writers adopted agape to describe God's generous love for humankind and the highest form of love he expects of us in our relationships with others. So, friends, under the inspiration and superintending of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament authors lifted this word and concept out of their pre-existing cultural toolbox and elevated it to a loftier level than it had been in classical literature. Now, in its new gospel setting, agape was re-imaged to become a love given for its own sake, wanting nothing in return, and a love that seeks only and always the absolute best for the other person. Wow! Well, friends, before we expand on this definition that's unveiled in the New Testament, let's briefly contrast three other words for love found inside and outside the Bible's culture. First, our English word erotic owes its origin to the Greek word eros, meaning purely physical or sexual love. The New Testament authors chose not to use this word because of its especially vulgar context in their culture. So they substitute another word for sexual immorality being off limits for believers, namely porneo, meaning fornication, and where we get our English word pornography. Second, our English words Philadelphia, philanthropy, and philosophy are rooted in the Greek word phileo, best understood as friendship love or brotherly love. So, Philadelphia means city of brotherly love. Philanthropy means love of man or humanity. And philosophy means love of wisdom. We see this in Romans 12.10, 1 Corinthians 16.22, and 1 Peter 1.22. This is the idea behind Jesus' statement in John fifteen fifteen to his disciples. I have called you friends, using the Greek word phileo. C.S. Lewis said it best when he distinguished between eros and phileo. Eros will have naked bodies, friendship naked personalities. Third, 
domestic affection or the affectionate love existing between family members is brought out by the Greek word storge. Interestingly, in the New Testament, it's only used in its negative form. In Romans one thirty-one, it's translated unloving. In 2 Timothy 3.3, 3, it's translated without natural affection. It's also translated as heartless in the NIV. Don't show love to their own families in the GWT and shows no loyalty to parents in the NEB. Some of you may be thinking, so what, Pastor Tom? Well, 2 Timothy 3.3 elaborates on the behaviors predicted for the end times. And Paul's use of storge here tips us off that in the end times, the love in and between family members is what's being referred to, not love in general. Oh... Now, friends, with this as the first century backdrop, we'll see why the New Testament writers gave preferential treatment to the word agape to describe God's love for us and the highest form of love he expects us to live out in our relationships with others. And from this usage throughout the New Testament, we can actually distill agape's gospel-connected meanings in the first century down to these key truths. First, agape love describes God himself, his essential nature. God is love, not that God has or possesses love. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 and verse 16. Second, agape love is a giving love, a demonstrated love. In other words, agape love doesn't give people what they deserve, but what they need. John three sixteen and Romans 5, 8. Third, agape love is love in action, Romans thirteen eight through ten, First Corinthians thirteen and Matthew five thirty eight through forty eight. Fourth, agape love meets needs, in other words, human needs, First John three sixteen through eighteen, and chapter four verses twenty and twenty one, plus Matthew twenty five thirty one through forty. Fifth, agape love is deliberate. It's based on will, not feelings. Sixth, agape love is moral, benevolent, and includes goodwill. In other words, willing good for others. Seventh, agape love is self-sacrificing and committed. Eighth, agape love is not biased, prejudiced, or discriminating, and does not show partiality. Per James chapter 2, ouch! And ninth, agape love is sacred. If love is not sacred, then it has a price. Remember the Esau and Jacob story in Genesis 25? Boy, this litany of characteristics could surely make us feel we're really falling short of this love, right? Well, let me help alleviate our guilt. Hearing all this is pretty overwhelming, but I'm here to say, take heart. We must get into our thick skulls that we're not the source of God's love. We're his channels, amen? So remember our ministry mantra. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. And remember the engineer's prayer. Lord, engineer circumstances in people's lives today so that you can love them through me. Well, today I'm going to introduce another powerful statement. When Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. Oh, no! Let me repeat that. When Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. 
<laughs> now, friends, let's plug this idea into our ministry mantra. Ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. So, if we want to be God's loving channels, we must forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. And to close out today's lesson, listen to some scriptures we can take to the bank that will help us see we can grow and progress in agape love, be comforted by them, and spur us on to strive or press on toward this noble goal. In Philippians 1.9, Paul begins, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best. Friends, read the whole prayer. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, Paul's uplifting words are, May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours is doing for you. In chapter 4, verse 9, he adds, Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family through Macedonia. Yet we urge you, excel still more. In 2 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged, and the love of each one of you towards one another grows even greater. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program, which will close with an email where you may write me. This email is also where you may inquire about financially supporting a word from the word. I love coming alongside those of you without a church home or those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are posted at faithtalk1360.com. Podcasts may also be found on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And thanks to my friends and partners at Christian Bible. Body.net. A word from the word is broadcast to over 70 countries. Friends, please consider investing in the mission of a word from the word in 2023. It's listeners like you that keep this program on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.